0: You are listening to The Next Best Picture Podcast, and this is Nicole Ackman's interview with the costume designer for Emma, Academy Award winner, Alexandra Byrne. Dearly beloved friends, we gather here...
1: In this time of man's great innocence... Innocence?
0: Innocence?
2: No. Emma. Emma. Um. She makes no a scat, and i with a respectful relation.
1: Miss Mortals. Miss Mortals. Such news. Welcome, everyone, to the Next Best Picture podcast. Today I'm talking to Alexandra Byrne, the costume designer for Emma. So, first of all, I just wanted to say that your work on Emma is absolutely splendid. I think it's easily one of the most beautiful films of this past
2: year Thank you <laughs> It was a great part it was a, It was such fun to do actually It was really fun um I love the novel I hadn't read it before so I've read Austin, but I hadn't read emma and um the novel has such has such fun and um it's amazing because we're both, you know, as the reader, we're both sharing Emma's judgment and watching her making those judgments. So it combines the internal and the external, and it's uh, it's a great dialogue to have with her.
1: Absolutely. Now, my understanding is this isn't the first Jane Austen adaptation you had worked on, though. I think you worked on the uh, BBC Persuasion.
2: I did. <laughs> In the dark ages, before the internet. And it was actually... It was it was rather amazing because to, to come back, uh, Emma is set slightly earlier and and the, it was a very fast-changing fashion period. So it it's similar, but it's slightly different. But it is, you know, it's within the same bracket. And I have to say that, you know, Persuasion was my, I think it was my first period film. And um, I can say now that I did not have a clue what I was doing. I was just firing <laughs> on instinct and... And that fantastic kind of um, courage that you have through ignorance, I suppose. <laughs> and it was rather amazing to come back and visit the period and and realize that, A, we have, you know, I looked at the, I still have the research that I, I used on persuasion. And I look at the images and I remember how hard it was to find those images. You had to scour reference and museums to find those. And now we have the internet, which is, means you're just, Inundated with images, most of which are wrongly labelled or inaccurate. But you, so it's a completely different process. You're filtering as opposed to searching. Um, And it was also, it was interesting, you know, interesting how the film industry has changed over the years, how I've changed as a designer. And it was also quite, um, it was quite a refreshing to actually think back to doing persuasion and having that. naivety through ignorance which is means you're very uninhibited and and it made me sort of determined to be a bit freer and spontaneous which I think maybe one I don't know if we don't know how we are when we work do we but um it certainly gave me that note which was was good.
1: Absolutely. I do think that, you know, whenever you look at Regency era films, Emma does strike me as one of the ones that gets a lot right about the period, like, you know, all of the empire wastes and the ruffles. So I'd love to hear more about the sort of research that you did for this.
2: Yeah. I mean, Autumn, it really, you know, you start with the script and the novel, but it's really talking to the director about what story they want to tell and how you can help them to tell that story visually. And Autumn was very, very, very keen to really research and understand the period, so that the the humour came out of the period accuracies, as opposed to trying to impose some kind of contemporary note. Because we're living in this world, and therefore there there is a certain amount of of humour and and irony in in the behaviours and and the situations. And Austen. Cu's a very funny writer as well. Um, and whenever I'm doing a film, I like to uh, research the period, or the genre as much as I can so that I really know and understand it because our, you know my job as a costume designer is to help tell the story, and that means you've got to be selective about what you're using. And I like to know and understand the world that is true to the period so that I can make informed choices about how I select and how I use that information. You know, we're not doing, we're not doing um, museum archiving. We're actually making films and telling stories, but to be able to be free to do that, I feel as a designer, I want to know everything there is about the period. And one of the things about um, this particular period, as I said, it was, it was very fast changing fashion. And I think, you know, today in this world, you know, I can remember the crisis of going from, you know, boot cut to a skinny jean, and it felt like you were kind of changing the world. Whereas in this period, they're going from big, heavy, corseted brocade dresses to very diaphanous, sheer muslins. So it must have been extraordinary. But it was also the time when it was the beginning of uh, fashion magazines. There was the ladies magazine, um, La Belle Assembly. So so it was actually fashion images were in print. So women could read and look at images of what was being what they were being told was the fashion. And these these fashion illustrations are beautiful and they're extraordinary. But if you just by looking at those, um it's often they're misconstrued as very kind of built and ornate costumes. It's only when you look at the fashion illustrations and then go to museums and look at um, existing pieces from the period that you really understand what was the spirit of fashion in that time, because women sewed their own dresses. Emma, as a privileged young lady, has, could employ a dressmaker, but most women sewing was was a huge part of their day, and they took great pride in their white work and their and their sewing. But I always imagine that you could show one of those fashion illustrations to ten different women. And actually their interpretation and their skills and their budget would mean that you'd get 10 completely different versions of of this one fashion drawing. And you can see that when you look at the original pieces, that they are they're incredibly homemade. They're not, you know, they didn't have overlockers and things like that. They're all hand-stitched and they're quite spontaneous in the way they're made. And they're very lightweight and unstructured and... And personal in a way, so I tried to bring some of that into into the way the clothes behaved. And it was, sorry, I'm talking a lot, but I'm going to say it. In doing Emma's clothes, what was really interesting because she's a kind of a, she's a, a queen bee, she's a big fish in a small pond. I wanted her to have the like the kind of the untapped net Porter account, in that she could have the perfect outfit and accessories for every occasion. And that meant that rather than just doing costume after costume after costume we built a wardrobe for her and these dresses and these these looks that the the women put together they are they're built on layers so you start with a chemise and then a corset and then a petticoat and then a muslin dress and by changing the color of the petticoat you change the quality of the the dress and they had little um white work infills and collars gloves bonnets jewelry little spencer jackets so actually, Emma only has three muslin dresses in the film but but by being able to change the look with the accessories and how they're put together um we could build a wardrobe, which also meant that uh with anya each day you know i would I would know which way the clothes were going, but we we did have the luxury of being able to just kind of finesse the look for the scene that Anya had rehearsed in terms of playing into or out of how she wanted to play the scene with the clothes so that um, you could just take it a little bit further by being able to be a bit more spontaneous on the day.
1: That's amazing. I love, you know, talking about the layering. I love how much sort of dressing and undressing we see in the movie. And in particular, I think, you know, you sometimes see that with women in period film. But there's that scene early on with Mr. Knightley, and I realized, like, you don't often see men, especially in the Regency era, on dress and dress on film. So what was it like to get to, you know, design all those parts uh, of that men's costume and have them be on show in a way that they wouldn't normally?
2: Well, it was great. And again, that was in talking to Autumn because she wanted to understand about the, the etiquette and the class structure. And I was explaining to her about, you know, the sign of a true gentleman was that you would have freshly laundered shirts and starched cravats Um and she said, but what was the underwear? And when I said they didn't have underwear, they used their shirt tails that they wrapped through between their legs. So, you know, gentlemen gentleman could wear, change his shirt three times a day, but somebody else might not, which starts to get a bit gross. But, you know, so it's all about <laughs> understanding that. And then when I explained that to Autumn, she said, but I want to see that. So, so we took her through dressing Johnny as Knightley, and she said, well, I've never seen that, so... So I want that to be in my film, and and I think that was a great call because we don't see that, and and I think a lot of um, period costume dramas can get very costumey, and they kind of um, they don't relate to clothes very much. So I I love it when you have a dressing sequence because it really does deconstruct the period into into what it took for people to dress for for their day.
1: revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.
3: This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest,
1: there's also been a lot of dialogue on the internet recently about uh corsets versus stays and and what's period accurate when and i was so thrilled whenever i noticed the last time that i watched it there is that scene with uh emma and harriet are you know in their undergarments practicing dancing before the ball and Mm. harriet has stays on and i got so excited about that
2: yeah again it was a it was a very much a transition time for corsets and You know, previously, the the corsets of the 1780s had been really about pulling in the waist. And corsets for this period, they're actually, they're not pulling in the waist. They're kind of skimming the body. And they're all about, it's kind of like an early wonder bra. They wanted cleavage. Mm -hmm. They wanted heaving breasts. So Mm -hmm. it is about supporting the breasts. And it was, again, it was quite a, as I said, it was a time on the change. And there are some much shorter corsets that could be worn that that actually didn't even, you know, they stopped before the waist. So they were like a kind of a long line bra. Um, so again, you know, it's a very particular thing, you know, who would wear corsets, who would wear the shorter corset. Um, mm-hmm. but, and again, the layer of having the chemise under the corset, because that could be washed mm-hmm. and laundered. So it was for practical purposes that they... That they have that.
1: So you mentioned museums earlier and I believe I, I read that you guys actually worked with Sir John Stone's museum in London.
2: Uh what was that like? Well, actually that was I I really regretted that. I could not go on that visit because we were we were oh. so busy. Autumn and Cave went. Um I visited mm. there but not to do with the film and it's an incredible an incredible museum. I was you know, it's it's we always have a limited prep time on these films. And so the early period is about Autumn and Cave and I talking to create the world and collaborating in making sure all our areas are working together and we understand the visual world we're trying to create. And then once you get further into prep, it's really you rely on that that communication and collaboration for us all to be able to be really busy working in our departments but checking in with each other. So um you know, it's quite a big cast, and as, as we've already said, Emma has a lot of clothes, so just the, the fittings to make sure everything is right, because there are so many layers, um, it's it's very important about the proportion and the, the balance of those layers. And even for the men, you know, just getting the collars right, the tailoring is, is much simpler than contemporary tailoring in that it doesn't yet have a side seam, but that means the fit is much more precise. And just... Creating the characters and and working with the actors to be able to um, contribute as much as I can to to, to these characters.
1: I, I think that one of the most impressive things about your costume design is how well you're able to build character and personality through it. And I think that's definitely true in Emma. Uh, I'm also so curious about how you use the costumes to also sort of show each character's social status and wealth because I know that's
2: so much of what this novel is about. Absolutely and as, as I said it really comes from the research and and just um, submersing yourself in the period and the world so that when you're then you know working with the actors and, and discussing it, you kind of all that knowledge is just like this bank of knowledge that you is ingrained in you, so that you can then work with the actors to, from the point of view that they're coming to, and help to develop. It's it's such a collaboration, and actually that's the part that I love. So on a film like Emma, um, I don't do costume drawings. I do mood boards, which are to do with with completely eclectic images that have to do with a character or a story point. And I find that they're a very they're a great way to start a conversation because to begin with, we're only using words to describe visuals, which are going to lead towards clothes on a body. So by creating these mood boards, which are really like collages in a way, everybody sees something different in them. And then you're beginning to define what you mean by what you're saying. And then with this period, you know, we can go to costume houses and they have stock for this period. I think there are only a couple of my costumes from Persuasion that um, are still existing because it's such a delicate period. They don't last that long on hangers mm-hmm. in a costume house that you can try on existing pieces. And the moment you start to do that, you understand what works on the actor. They get a sense of the period and and you collaborate together to to discuss the story and and where the character is. And as I said before, it was also a luxury on this because we didn't have to make riding doubles and stunt doubles and action repeats. Everything was a one-off. Mm. And by creating a working wardrobe for all the characters, actually, we really could just put the finishing touches on whether, you know, how the character was going to be within the scene, which means I'm either dressing into the way they're playing the scene or against it or underscoring it. We could really play with those those um, ideas literally after they've rehearsed the scene and and dress and finished dressing, ready to film. That's awesome.
1: So obviously you've worked on a lot of period films and I'm also a huge fan of your work on Mary Queen of Scots as well. But is there something about you know, doing this period work that you're drawn
2: to? Yes and no. I love, I mean, it's really the story and the director that attract me to a project because whether, you know, whether it's period or or superhero, I'm I'm helping to create a world and tell the story. You know, the research is different. I love fabrics. I love texture. I love movement. I love color. Um, But it is the... It's the collaboration that I find really exciting. And um, I think when one is able to work in a way that you can take risks, um, that's very exciting. And I love the serendipity. You know, there are, you know, there's no definitive, this is what you're wearing, this is it. There are lots of uh, happy accidents that happen on the way where you go, oh, this is amazing. This you know, I see this and this can happen. Equally there are times, you know, Emma's ball dress is an example of that. I I started the dress with a fabric that I really thought, you know, this is it. And um it wasn't. So you also have to be able to go, No, I've got it entirely wrong. We need to rethink. But by getting it wrong, you clarify what you want or what you're trying to do. Um, doesn't mean it's easy, but you know, there's a there's trial and error, good good mistakes, bad mistakes, happy accidents. Um, but I think through understanding a period, it means that your your eyes are open as to how to use that um to be able to get to the next stage.
1: Absolutely. And my last question is just I wanted to know, do you have a look or a specific piece uh from Emma that is your favorite?
2: Yes, I think I would probably do. It's when she's taking the the basket to um, Miss Bates to apologise after the picnic, and it's just a tiny scene, but it's it's one of those where uh, we really did work out the layers on the day, and I think she's wearing a green petticoat and a slight lilac in, and the colours just worked with the colours of the plaster and the lighting. And, um, it was a happy coming together of of all areas where you think, "Wow, that you know, and it's a very insignificant moment. it's not a big la dress, but it's just one of those <laughs> it's it's a happy coincidence of of lots of things adding up and and I thought it was a really um and it had the right kind of um." Emma was more demure within her world mm. of knowing how to be demure. And it, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I liked that moment. And it's it's not so much, you know, the grand dress that you've done or you've pulled off. It's it's a moment where you think, oh, everything came together to, to capture that story moment.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for talking to me and to everyone listening. Make sure if you've not seen it yet go and check out Emma and see these gorgeous, gorgeous costumes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. My
0: pleasure. Thank you. Hey, everyone. thank you so much for listening to Nicole Ackman's interview with Academy Award-winning costume designer Alexandra Byrne here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Emma is currently up for your consideration for best costume design, best production design, best makeup and hair styling, and all other eligible categories.